Hi, everybody. Welcome to Real Estate Matters. For over nine years, the voice of real estate for Flagler County in Palm Coast, Florida. I'm Toby Tobin. I'm a Florida licensed commercial realtor with Grand Living Realty. This show comes because we've got some great sponsors, the Flagler County Home Builders Association, Klein Construction, American Village, a gated 55-plus community where I'm a resident, and a non-paying sponsor, but I'd like to put a shout-out for my favorite church, the Hammock Community Church, hmm. that cute little church in the Hammock where church is what it used to be. That's right. Services at 9 and 11. I go to the 11 o'clock. If you want to meet me, come to church this week. If you don't want to hear somebody singing um, flat, then go to the 9 o'clock. I'll say I sit on the other side. <laughs> uh, the, it's uh, the end of November. We're into December now, and so we pretty much got the November numbers. And they're as expected as we went through November. Nothing really changed too much at the end. No surprises. 198 homes sold, a few more than were sold last year. So if the number of homes sold is the number you like to hang your head on, we're going up. We're, we're going up. Yeah, by by several? No, dozen. Okay, so we're still going sideways. Yeah, median price, 378490 That's down a tad from 380000 last November. So it's, it's down a little over $1,500. So These numbers actually much. mean something. Well, they, they do. They're so it, consistent that they, they, it means we're the in a market's rut. market's sort of predictable at this point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, seven sales, uh, over a million dollars. Seven homes sold for over a million dollars. Five of them for cash. That's the same trend, too. That That's nothing new anymore. Yeah. It was big news six months ago when we first noticed it, but it doesn't seem to... Any big funds? Any, like, Blackstone purchases over a million? I didn't see anything. Well, we're we're um, a tertiary market. We're not getting... Like, nationally, uh, there are several markets where the Blackstone and people like them are really affecting the market. They're actually driving prices up because they're actively in the market buying single-family homes for rentals. But there's just no, nothing here. Oh, and the million-dollar listings aren't <clears throat> typically what they're looking for for those rentals either, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Now, days on market, only twenty or 36 days for the month of November, and that's amazingly low. It's way below what a long-term average would be. So we still have demand. It's just that the... Number of we we have market uh, stability with the buyers and the sellers basically being equal, but their neither pool is very big because there are a lot of people that are out of the seller market because they don't they don't want to leave a three or three and a half percent mortgage for seven or eight percent mortgage, and the buyer pool is restricted by. The same thing, the interest rates. This is a nice moment to savor if you're an economist where equilibrium is actually reached and all the graphs actually exist in the real world. Yeah, and you, you can have some confidence that you can predict what's going to happen next month. Yeah. But it's boring. It is. I liked it. Man, I like the lockdown era when 
things were going haywire. We didn't know what was coming. I remember thinking early on in the lockdowns that that this was the end, <laughs> that housing, that values would tank. Nobody, I mean, you knew because you're prescient, but it was tough to figure out what was going to happen. Well, it's a, uh, we keep thinking we're learning from history, but history is always being created ahead of us. It's true. We're just not there yet. Um, again, following the trend, only four homes sold for less than 225000 And remember, 225000 is about that point at which a median household income family in Flagler County could afford to buy a house, get a mortgage. So if you're one of, there are only four, and this is assuming that the people that bought those $225,000 houses are locals. So only four local median income earners bought homes. Or were able to get a mortgage, right. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, 66 of the homes out of the 198 were new construction. And that's a little high, higher than normal. But it's not higher than it's been for the last twelve months. So what's happened the last while? I'm a year older. That's I've noticed that. <laughs> you notice anything else? I'm getting sharper. Yeah. Total single family building permits, 131 issued versus only eighty four last November. So mm-hmm. there's a number you can hang your head on. That's I don't significant. know what you can do with it. Yeah. Duplex permits, uh, 16 issued versus 9 last year. And when when you see duplex permits issued, it means that there's uh, there are people that are thinking the market's going to get either stay the same or get stronger. They have confidence in the market. It's not going to go down because that's an investment typically in a long-term rental piece of property. Yeah. Well, it's a great way for a first-time home buyer to actually get something – where they can afford their mortgage. Uh, I, and, and I witnessed that. My my first home was a duplex. I paid $9,000 for it. Oh, I am old. Uh, but it I was paid a, that for my coffee this morning. There, there was a, a, originally a farm tenant house, 100-acre farm behind it that got sold off. But uh, I lived in one half. And I spent a little bit of money fixing the other half up. I rented it out to a school teacher for $100 a month. And that covered my mortgage, taxes, and insurance. What was permitting like? Um, I don't think they had a permitting department. Yeah, you'd see, you, I know you that, go to the city or the county and say, what, what well, town? In, in that same, same town, uh, let's see, it would have been 20 years later, 15, 20 years later, I was permitting a 950-square-foot addition on another old farmhouse that I bought. And that addition was pretty much literally sketched out on the back of a napkin. I took it in and I got a permit. Hey. Didn't have to be signed by an engineer. Didn't have to be an architectural rendering. And if it, like, worst-case scenario, it collapses on your tenant and you're guilty of manslaughter and you go to jail. That was... was my house, I was living in it when I put the addition on. So if it collapsed, I would have been dead. So that's a great, that's actually a great example, a great scenario of where have we gone overboard with permitting. When you're permitting your own dwelling and it's just you living in it, who cares? Yeah, but I still had to get a permit, but I didn't have to go through all the planning board and 
everything, and I had to demolish the old edition, so I, I didn't have to get a demolition permit. I just took a weekend and whacked it off. Nice. Things were different then. So now we have a lot more uh, permitting issues, and you have these anomalies like Flagler Beach, as I've said several times. Flagler Beach is a neat town, but it's uh, you couldn't create it today. No way. Under, mo- most of the towns that we love turn out that mm-hmm. that's the case. Towns and cities, you know, like Boston. I, I, Boston. I'm not a big city person, but I, I've always liked Boston. I used to go there a lot on business. <clears throat> you know, it, to, in order to recreate the North End, <clears throat> Little Italy, you need a hundred, 150 years of Italian mafia. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, what do you think is going to happen to the market going forward? We're getting to the end of the year, so you know our January, the first show in January or last show in December, we'll probably spend the whole show prognosticating. Everything's contingent on the flow of people coming to Florida. It seems like whatever the Fed does, um, our market's stable. Other places collapse. What saddens me is that the median income earners and the first time home buyers and particularly young families are the ones that actually take it on the chin. So I think, I think more of the same, I think we'll continue to go sideways pending the general election next year. That always seems to have an effect on Florida. Yeah, that's true. But if, if we see any uh, dip in the mortgage interest rates, I think you'll see prices go up. Prices go up. All the people like me that have been sitting on the sidelines for the last nine years. You're going to say, Darn. We'll say, okay, look, I can afford the mortgage. Say we're but back down I, to... Now I can't afford the price. Right. Say we're back down to 5%. Now the price is way up there. So what am I... You know, you're on this treadmill. You're going to spend the same amount of money per month for the house, but more of it will go towards principal. That's right. And less towards interest. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I, I kind of laugh. I mean, people don't believe I bought my first house for $9,000. What? I mean, uh, we're talking about what, 1855, 1850, <laughs> uh Union. No, I was pro-Bellum. <laughs> I've always liked Bellums. Yeah, big Bellum guy. Yeah, I'm a big tell. Bellum guy. I'm not anti-anything. But, uh, you know, prices go up over time. The long-term trend in Florida and in the whole country. I mean, that was in New York State where I, where I grew up. And prices are still going up there. They're not going up as fast. But inflation is built into the system. Prices go up. Cost of government goes up even faster. Government's getting big. So we have um, two facts that we have to learn to live with. Florida is going to increase in population as it has every year, like forever since the Spanish were here, and the cost of government will go up. And let's talk about that. Why does the cost of government go up every year? Because that's the nature of the beast. Well, but describe what is it about the nature of the beast? It's a pon- give, well, it's a Ponzi scheme. Give, give me an example. It's sort of like banking. People don't think about banking as a Ponzi scheme, but it, by definition, fractional banking, which is the only banking that we know, is... The reason there's a bank run is because the bank doesn't have your money. So if the bank stops getting new customers and lending, then all of a sudden their funds dry up. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay? So it's it's no different with government. 
if the government stops getting new people moving in, paying taxes, um, developers developing with impact fees, actually we could take impact fees out and government would probably be to the good because of it. But without the growth, there's nothing to sustain the maintenance. Well, I can give a, a good example. I mean, people love Palm Coast. I love Palm Coast. I love it here. It's a beautiful city. You know, and all you've got to do is go down to Holly Hill or there are all kinds of, you know, go over to Palatka to, to, or go to, go to Miami or Atlanta or New York City or Washington, D.C. to appreciate the beauty that we have here. And, um, uh, it, but it comes at a price. And a lot of the beauty that we have here is funded by grant dollars. We've got some very good grant writers in our, in our city, in mm-hmm. our county, and in the school district. And uh, we get, first it's all the median, the new median, uh, the uh, new plantings along the median and Beltaire and State Road 100. Much of our trail system was paid for originally with grant money, but the grant money is to build the trail, not to maintain the trail. Mm-hmm. So now you're stuck maintaining the trail. Well, we, we have to take a quick break right now. We'll pick this topic up with the other side. So based on your comment, how do you deliver more and better with less money? Free for all Friday, where local newsmakers talk it I out. I try to inform the public. And, you well, know, I wasn't the, blaming uh, you. No, I understand, but I'm trying to... <laughs> get this I, thing done. I thought 120 days was enough. I hung in there as long as I could. Hi, I'm David Ayers. Join me and Brian McMillan every Friday morning following the news at 9 on WNCF and worldwide on the Flagler Radio mobile app. Well, welcome back. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, this is Real Estate Matters, the second half. So uh, we were talking in the first half, we were just talking about why government costs go up, why why government, the government budget uh, gets bigger every year. It, out, it outpaces the rate of inflation. Suffice to say, people want stuff and people get stuff and then you got to pay for the maintenance of the stuff. Mm-hmm. But they don't. They fight paying for it. They fight tax increases. Sure. But, uh, it's it's human. That's well as the American. I mean, that's what our country was founded upon. <laughs> Individual greed. <laughs> uh, but Florida is going to continue to grow. We have lower taxes here. We have better weather here. We have no income tax here. Uh, there are all kinds of good reasons. I'm happy here and. There are people moving here every year, some years more than others, but it's always on an upward growth curve. So if you have taxes going up and more people moving here, you have to assume that those are uh, facts. They're not assumptions. They're, I mean, that just you, you can't ignore it. So you have to think in terms of those two things continuing. You can't put a moratorium on growth. Right. Well, it's, I was talking to a friend who um, lives in the Northeast and they were talking about how Vermont is having a difficult time f- funding their budget. 
and they're trying to get creative with taxes. And being a being Florida man, I thought, well, why don't you just design it the way that Florida has it, where you haze the newcomers and they bear the brunt and the and all the tourists, you know, bear the burden of the taxes. And he's like, dude, are you kidding me? We don't have we don't remotely have that kind we of growth. <laughs> we don't have newcomers. We don't have tourism. What are you talking about? So we have a very luxurious position as a taxable civil as a taxable society here. Well, uh, last last week we spent the entire show going through uh, reasons, uh, different ways in which Florida has uh, been able to fund a good percentage of their cost of government by tapping the tourism trade and by tapping people who have second homes here, investors, businesses, but and and they they subsidize the voters, the people that have lived here longest, the long-term residents. And we talked about a lot of reasons um, that that's true, mostly related to the fact that we we make the people that build a new development here put in their own stormwater management system. And they pay for it, and they have to maintain, the people who buy homes in those communities have to maintain the stormwater management system. They have to maintain the streets within that new community and the amenities within that new community, but yet they still pay full boat in city and county taxes. So they're they're actually subsidizing the payment of of the swales just because they're in a new neighborhood. They're paying for their infrastructure and everybody else's infrastructure. And everybody else's, exactly. But what we ran out of time last week, what we didn't get to is the very biggest way in which we tap the newcomers. And that's that's through the Save Our Homes portion of the homesteaded uh, laws in Florida. Now, for, for if you're a newcomer, you may not know this, but in Florida, there's a cap on your increase in in your assessed value and your or and which becomes your taxable value. So if you very simply put, if you buy a house for a hundred thousand dollars, I'm gonna keep it unrealistic, but I the math is simple. You will end up in Florida with an assessed value of approximately eighty percent of that. So eighty thousand dollars will be your assessed value. But that won't kick in until the first January after you move in, whether it's an existing home or an older home. If it's an existing home, the prior resident paid a lot less than you did, was paying lower taxes, had a, this cap on assessed value accumulated for that person, so they weren't paying very much in taxes compared to what you're going to pay. Now, you'll be... When you buy an uh, existing home, all the old uh, deductions, all the old freebies go away, and you get you start over at hundred thousand dollar mark. So your assessed value of eighty thousand dollars cannot go up more than three percent a year. That's Florida law since the early nineteen nineties, and having gotten that, that's never going to go away because nobody would. Spend, there's not 
enough political capital in the world to take that hit from the yeah, voters. Good luck so with that one. That, that's, that's a given. But then starting on that the year after you buy the property, that becomes your base rate, and that assessment can't go up more than 3% a year. And you, if you live there 10 years, 15 years, remember we were talking about the, this people moving here, the prices in Florida, there are times when they went down. They went down between uh, 2006 and 2012. But the long-term trend is always up and always will be. So the new people coming in end up paying a disproportionately higher tax on their property than those who live here. And it's kind of like a wave system. You know, you see like a wave of population that came in during the good years. They were in their 40s or 50s, then they're in their 60s. And and you watch waves go through the system. And I I think that uh, I wish this wasn't just a radio show because I like visuals. You'd see me waving my hand right now describing the up and down of, of the, uh, the way the economic system works, the way the real estate system works. The, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, I just sold my condominium in the Tidelands, which was an intercoastal condominium, and uh, I sold it for $550,000. It was a waterfront property, uh, but it the assessed value was only one hundred and sixty-two thousand one seventy-one. <laughs> you scoundrel! Yeah. So how you know how did that happen? Yeah. You know I must know somebody. Well, no, I don't, because uh, I bought it at the bottom of the market in two thousand eleven. I paid one hundred and seventy thousand dollars for it, and ever since then it's been subject to the save our our homes exemptions, and each year as prices went up. And the value of the property, if you if you kind of amortize the 170 up to the 550, so 10% a year, that's a pretty good return on investment. Yeah, you did pretty good on that one. And, and especially if my assessed value could only go up 3% a year or CPI. And in, in most of those years, the CPI was less than 3 So it actually was capped at a little less than 3%. So it, it went from... Uh, 170 up to something higher than that, but only at 3% or less a year. So you had a nice chunk of change when you bought and, the new and, place. And Is that why you have four Roombas? A Roomba? <laughs> do you have a Roomba for each room in that place now? <laughs> oh, I only have one. But how, do they interact and, with each and other? I, and I traded down to it. I, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But the cumulative, this is called a, the called protected value. If you look at your property tax record on the, the uh, property appraiser's website, you'll see all of these values on your property. But it's the cumulative savings from the cap, it, it's cumulative, so it adds up each year, was $281,667. So that's money I'm not paying tax on. Now, that's a whole other residence. The, yeah, the 2023 taxes on that condominium were $2,213. But if, without the protected value, the tax would have been eight thousand two hundred and twenty-three. So, six thousand ten dollar difference. Wow! And yeah. that, you nailed it. I, well, I did. Is that the best investment of your life? I mean, 
Probably. That's up there. Yeah, yeah I think so. And then, and then what happened, I, I bought a house for 360000 so that's less. But I get to whatever percentage this protected value is of the condo, I carry that percentage of that protected value to the house. Yeah. So I'll... This next year, I'll have protected value on my house too. It's a great law, good for Florida. So it's good, but it, but that six thousand ten dollars—that's what somebody who moved here from New York City would have paid if if next year. Yeah. Subsidizing so, subsidizing your my, new, my living in my place. downsized house where I carry forward my protected value, at least the pro rata share of my protected value, and. Uh, I mean, that's how the system works. That's that's the great Florida Ponzi scheme. And if we turn off the spigot, what happens? Well, if you turn off the spigot, then then you have people aren't coming here paying the the full boat price. And so you have a higher percentage of your people are going to be homesteaded, a higher per- and they're going to end up, you can't reduce the increase in taxes. Well, you can reduce the increase. You can't reduce the fact that taxes are going to over the long-term increase. But by by shilling the newcomers, the growth, <laughs> but, you know, the people that are a result of growth, you will mitigate your own tax increases. So to those people who contemplate talking about uh, putting a moratorium on growth or, or that get up and speak at public meetings, not realizing how the system works, stop it. <laughs> you know, Enough you, said. Yeah, you, know, you just, uh, you know, keep a lip on that. Yeah. Because growth is good. Growth subsidizes your increase in taxes. It will mitigate your increase in taxes. So having said that, be sure to listen to Real Estate Matters Friday the 15th, because I'm going to be on as a guest to, Oh, on Jay, uh, Friday Carter, Free For All. Friday Free For All. It's a it's a 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock show every Friday morning. But on the 15th, we will be talking about this very topic because it's very important. And we've got Anna Maria from the HPA. Anna the Maria Home from Builder the HPA. Association. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I hope we, we all will have you on that show as well, listening to that show as well because we're going to go into a lot more detail. We're run out of time. I'm Toby Tobin. And I approve the show.